Welcome to the Wittenberg Hour. Martin Luther said of the second commandment in the large catechism, teaching the commandments in a childlike and playful way spreads its roots in the heart so that children fear God more than rods and clubs. This I say with such simplicity for the sake of the young that it may penetrate their minds. Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Hour, where we explore big questions and discuss that which endures by means of that which has endured that scholars may endure. My name is Jocelyn Benson, and I serve as head teacher of Wittenberg Academy. What place have crafts in the catechetical life? How might crafts aid parents in teaching the faith? Can crafts be enduring? When many of us think of crafts, or perhaps it's just me, <laughs> we shudder. <laughs> perhaps it was the glitter, but maybe it was that most crafts seemed an afterthought to fill time. But must that be the case? Joining us today to discuss teaching the faith with crafts is Mrs. Samantha Bender. Mrs. Bender is the artist behind Pleasantly Crafted, if you are not familiar with her work, do not delay in checking out her website. You will never be lacking a gift for any occasion once you stop by. We'll be sure to include a link to her site in the episode notes. Sam, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Before we get into the topic at hand, give us a bit of background on Pleasantly Crafted. How did Pleasantly Crafted come to be and what motivates you to keep producing wonderful works of art? Well, I've always loved art and I, hindsight, kind of wish I had gone to school for it, but I went into Lutheran elementary ed. Um, I stay home with my kids now um, and I didn't start selling art until around 2016. I opened an Etsy shop and it was a pretty eclectic collection of things. It was just kind of whatever I wanted to make on a, on a whim would go on into the shop. But then a few years after that, I had made some Lutheran art for friends and family, and I really loved that, and it was meaningful. And so I've kept doing that, and I, I'm not bored with it. I think that it's something that I will continue to love to do and to keep doing. And I still have my Etsy shop, but I do have a main website now where we sell more things. The name Pleasantly Crafted is a bit generic for a few reasons. I, at the time when I was creating the company name, I was working with some secular companies too for freelance work. And I still do a bit of that, but it was also so that I didn't have to be tied down to a specific type of art or product. Pleasantly Crafted is just me happily making things. But I kind of wish that I had done a more religious name hindsight because that's what it's evolved into and become more full-time. And uh, my sister-in-law, whose name is also Jocelyn, actually came up with the name for me. Uh, so that was fun. Motivation, it, it's in a few different forms. I, I have this inherent need to create things. That's just how God made me. Um, but making the Lutheran art has been just, like I said before, extremely fulfilling. And so I just love to do it. <laughs> if folks aren't familiar with your art, they, they might... Uh, not understand what Lutheran art is, and and I I visit your site all the time, 
and the love scene. Uh, what is what is new and uh, and and I love the fact that the things that I rely on being there because I have my wish list, right? So so keep producing the things that that you're producing, but him stanzas and prayers and of course Luther's rose, uh, you know, all of these sorts of things that allow Lutherans to keep the word before their eyes and before their children's eyes all the time. And that is such a gift that you have given people. And it's been fun to spread the word and uh, uh, hopefully drum up some business (laughs) for you. How do you choose what you decide to do for for your artwork that's a good question sometimes i'll make something just because i really love it or i think that it's something that my kids need to be seeing around our house other times people will give me ideas and say hey can you make such and such and like oh i love that yes that sounds fun sometimes i don't have a great idea for it if they suggest something so i apologize to anyone listening if you've suggested something that i haven't done some of it's just like the creative process but then other times too like I will take specific commissions for things and I don't I don't always share those because sometimes they're personal things for people that just are are, are really neat projects like um some I actually did some wedding invitations recently for this lovely family that I've worked with before in the past and that was a really fun project fun stuff <laughs> and meaningful things I have art supplies and, and craft supplies it away in every corner of our house I can possibly put them and now I don't even have room for them all because I I will sometimes I will sometimes pull out sewing wood burning um I do my glass etching with like the Luther Rose that I do have in the shop or jewelry making um it, but my first love is like drawing and painting so I have a lot of those supplies too and I like to do that now. catechesis is teaching the faith I also like to say in thinking about Deuteronomy 6 that catechesis is life in that we don't just teach the faith during a set time. We talk about the faith when we rise up, when we lie down, when we walk by the way, etc., etc. Now thinking about crafts and uh, knowing that probably a lot of people have not considered that crafts could be part of the catechetical life. You know, normally when we think of the catechetical life, we think about our catechism flashcards and, you know, the tools of of catechesis. You know, we have our catechism, we have our Bible. For those of us who use the Concordia Catechetical series, uh, we have all of our binders. There are myriad tools that we have in our toolbox when it comes to catechesis. What place might crafts have in the catechetical life? I, I think you've even said before, like, you like to avoid cheesy crafts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I am with you on that because I remember growing up and when you would have things in school, like your teachers want you to go, like, oh, I don't really like this. This is lame or <laughs> just kind of silly time fillers. And so I try to avoid that with my kids. So if I don't have something that I feel like really fits with like our church here and what we're doing or points to Christ, like, I'll let them just do free reign crafting. They just do what they want because I don't want to make them do things that are kind of pointless almost in the sense that like you can be using your time and creativity 
in a way that is more productive and can really help bring out um, just the liturgical life. I mean, and I don't have a ton of crafts available for kids, but I would like to make more in the future. Um, I've been talking with this other Lutheran mom who has these great ideas for having banners that kind of represent uh, the different seasons of the church year and, and like the crown principle too, so like the kids can color and cut it and wear it and really be involved in all of that. And so I'm hoping to do some more things like that in the future, um, besides just like some coloring sheets that I offer that my, my kids love to do those. And I have, <laughs> I have a whole box full of ones that are already printed and stapled together. So I can just pull them out and like, here, here's a new one for you. But at some point they'll be, They'll be much older and that won't work so well to keep them quiet or entertained and we'll have to think of something else but in the meantime like that's i think that crafts are they can be useful and and fun yeah absolutely and full disclosure we ordered and downloaded the epiphany craft that you had produced and it was fantastic it was it was simple and yet it was it was very elegant. It was fantastic because all of our children could participate no matter what age. And then there was this th- this thing hanging on the wall that would draw our eyes to the the season of the church year that they had contributed to in terms of making something beautiful and that was such a gift. And so it's great news to hear that you have percolating more of those because uh, we really, uh, our family really appreciated that. And that really got me thinking about the fact that perhaps crafts do have a place in the catechetical life in that here's something simple and fun yet beautiful that we can have our children do that reminds them of the faith and their walk through the church year and and all of these sorts of things. So with that, why might it be important for children, young children, but children of all ages, to be active in the learning of the faith. And by active, I mean using their hands and using tools to engage in the learning of their faith. Oh, definitely. I mean, I remember learning. I mean, I went to school for elementary ed, and so you're taking all these classes about child development and things like that. And the more senses you can engage in while you're learning something, the better you're going to remember it. That's why like, my kids soak up the when we put anything to music. I mean, so then if you you have that on and you've got your, your hands on craft too, I think that they're really going to remember that more. And then like you said too, it's like they've they've participated in this and now it's and now it's a visual in your home that so you're reminded of it even more. And I think that for me personally, that would have been so nice and wonderful. And that's what I want for my kids because I didn't grow up in an overly religious home. Um, I went to church every Sunday with my grandma and so I came back home and we didn't have a church life at home. It just it wasn't there. Like we didn't have artwork on our walls, at least not that I can remember that that pointed to Jesus, that pointed to faith. And and so I want to make sure that the upbringing of my children is different from what I had so that hopefully they don't fall away from their faith as they're adults and that they 
will do these things with their children someday. Yeah, and that formation, the catechetical life as formation, I, I like to think of it as, you know, Alzheimer's proofing our children, <laughs> you know, that these are the things that you can't ever take away from them, right? And these images that they see on the wall and these things that they have, have colored and created, that that leaves an impression. Yes, and I, <laughs> I love that you brought up the Alzheimer's thing because I am going to be that old lady in the nursing home who is probably humming some old dirty rap songs because that's what was going on in my home in the background. I know this terrible secular music that is embedded into my brain and probably my heart. I, I hope not, but I do not want that for my children. And so they are not listening to the radio. They are listening to Lutheran Public Radio, the hymns that I have on CD from CPH and and chapel every morning and church. So that's what that's what they are going to remember when they're old. They're old. I, I sure hope for them. So, yes. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And and I I love how crafts can bring the the visual element. Faith comes by hearing. And so we we really as Lutherans we emphasize that a lot. Hearing God's word and speaking God's word and learning God's word and neither of us would second guess that for even a second, right? We're not going to take that out and say, all we need is crafts. We're not going to say that. But I think sometimes the visual element of our faith, you know, in the divine service, for example, there's all sorts of visual stuff that's going on, right? I mean, the the colors that are on the paraments and all of the things that the pastor is doing, whether he's crossing himself or genuflecting or blessing, you know, raising his hands to bless the people and, and put God's name on them. During communion, he's raising the host and raising the chalice. You know, there are all these very visual things that are going on in the divine service. And that is such a gift because it makes the divine service such an accessible thing, right? I mean, children, even before they have hymns memorized, even before they're born, they're hearing. And as soon as they are born and have a little bit more visual acumen than, you know, two feet, um, you know, they can see things that are going on in, in the divine service. And they know that something in that they know that something important is going on. And so why, I guess my question is, why would we emphasize the visual and the active so much in the divine service and then just say, well, that's not really necessary anywhere else? Right, a couple things come to mind. I remember when my daughter was really little and we were playing with our play kitchen food and there was a little cracker in there, like a plastic cracker. And she just, she pretended it was the body of Christ. And I, I probably cried. I don't know, because, you know, I just wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting it in our home, even though, I mean, you, you want that in your home and you want them to take in the church service and, and have it 
go throughout all, all, all of their daily lives. And so having that was great. But I also, we have beautiful artwork in our home now. And I, I want to get more. Um, we have a piece um, by Kelly Schumacher from the Gloria book, Lord Be I Love With All My Heart. And it's Jesus taking the little girl into the garden. And my kids love it. I mean, and it's meaningful for them. They love the book. They love him. They love the representation of Jesus and the little children. One of my favorite pieces. And we also have a piece by Edward Riojas from the Dear Christians book, also published by Gloria. And it's, I believe it's called Salvation. Um, some friends gave it to us. And it's my favorite piece that he has made because it's got fall of, of Adam and then Jesus crushing the serpent with on the, on the cross. It's just, it's just glorious. And it's, it's something that my, my kids definitely love and they like to look at it. But we've had a little girl come over to our home, my, my daughter's friend, seven years old, and had never seen this before. But she was talking about the symbolism in it. And it blew my mind. I'm like, if a seven-year-old gets it, like, why do we not have this everywhere? It just, it was lovely. And I, I would recommend all of you to go and look at their artwork because they are, they are phenomenal artists. I wish someday like I could be at that level because it's it's beautiful and it's it's what we need. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the the visual arts they used to be a really big deal in the church. I mean, you think about the you know, the crucifixes and the stained glass and, you know, just the ornate churches, we really, and and Luther didn't say that we should get rid of all that stuff, right? He just said we shouldn't worship it, um, we, you know, yes. and, but we, we identified that with heresy, right? And so we threw the baby out with the bathwater, not to say completely, because there are certainly uh, beautiful churches that were uh, that were built, but it, it seems like perhaps we Lutherans kind of fell off the boat in terms of our appreciation of the visual. Yes, and I I hadn't thought much about that until um, I think when Notre Dame was burning and people were really they were very sad about it. And I'm like, it is it's beautiful architecture architecture that. Um, glorifies God. You want to come into God's house and think about how wonderful he is, how beautiful he is in, in our lives and, and things like that. And I think when you take those things out of your churches and out of your homes, you're kind of putting up other idols. Like, what are you, what are you worshiping at your house? I mean, I don't need Disney on my walls. And I, I'll be the first to admit, like, I I used to love it. I, I mean, grew up with Disney princesses. I painted some. I was like, oh, Sarah's going to love this someday when she's older. I'm like, we need to get rid of this. And we need to get rid of it now. And we need to replace it with things that are of the church. Because this is the most important thing in our lives. This other secular junk is not. And I mean, and that, I'm not going to say like you can't have any of that. But I think that if you don't have the other stuff, what are you telling your children? And people who come to your home, I, some people are some people are a little put off when they come to our house. We have this massive crucifix on our uh, above our fireplace, and they're kind of like, "Whoa!" <laughs> and <laughs> that's awesome. It, it's great because I mean, 
even if they don't want to talk about it, they see it and they know that that is very important to us. So it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is fantastic. The things that you have on your wall really become a confession. This is our family's confession. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord or we will serve Disney or we will serve mm-hmm. our sports team or we will serve Chevy trucks or, you know, whatever, whatever the, the case may be. And so having beautiful art, having your children engage in the creation of crafts and artwork that is going to point them back to their faith, it's, it's more than just a, a little minor thing. You know, as, as we've been talking about it, I'm even looking around my house going, okay, what do our walls confess? <laughs> you, you know, um, this is, um, this is, this is a good thing that we, we live uh, an examined life, right? That we, that we ponder the things, I mean, just as we monitor the things that our children, you know, watch on TV or listen to on the radio or consume in, in various uh, other ways. We should be mindful of the things that we're putting on our walls. Absolutely. So parents serious about the catechesis of their children, which all of us should be, right? We have certain standards for this most important task of teaching the faith. If we are going to use crafts to teach the faith, what are some standards we should keep in mind? I think you kind of answered it in your statement before because we do monitor, or I hope you do monitor, like what they listen to, what they watch, what they see, who they're around. And so I think that with your crafts too, you can you can just do the same thing. There are a lot of things you can find online. I mean, a lot, a lot of Christian crafts, I think that, before you just go and hit print or something, just make sure they're theologically sound and they're not <laughs> professing something that you don't agree with. <laughs> that is not true. And I mean, I guess too, if you, you can avoid the cheesy stuff, you know, that's, that's just a bonus. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to say avoid cartoon Jesus, right? We don't want <laughs> our children to... <laughs> <laughs> to have this idea that that Jesus is on par with, you know, the Disney princesses, right? That he's just this make-believe story. We want our children to believe, teach, and confess that Jesus is true God and true man, just as, you know, we don't want there to be a disconnect between what they know to be true and then what they what they see you know, on their coloring sheet. Oh, ab- absolutely. And I, I very much agree with that. I also, it, it makes me think of my daughter just yesterday or the day before uh, we have, <laughs> we have crucifixes all around our house and I even have them in our bathroom because it, it matches perfectly. It's, it's great. And she was standing on the toilet, just staring at the body of Jesus, waiting to get her teeth brushed. And I thought, you know, this is, this is why we have this here. You know, they might not look at it every day, but it's there for them. And it is a a depiction of a real person. It's not a cartoon. It's not this unattainable 
Yeah, like like you said, like cartoon Jesus. And I, I hope that I don't ever do that. I mean, I'm not perfect, definitely sinful and um, don't always do things the way that they should be done, I'm sure. But I, I want to be more mindful that we are presenting things in a way that our children can can understand that like it is real and i mean we've even um we've stopped doing santa claus with them actually and so and it transitions to the the story of like saint nicholas because we both grew up with santa claus and so it was a hard transition but i think it was necessary because we don't want them to ever have those feelings that what we're telling them about jesus is make believe and just a fun thing that we're doing in our lives like this is this is real yeah and i think that that goes right hand in hand with crafts being enduring can crafts also be enduring i think it's a yes and no thing uh, for me when i when i think about this question it, it actually makes me think of the things that i've made for my kids less so than the things that i have made for my business which I think just even the materials that they're made of, they can last a lot longer. Like someone sent me this very kind, sweet message and said that one of the necklaces with Blue de Rose, they said they can't wait to just pass it on as a family heirloom. And it was it was very, very kind. It made me realize like, oh, I, I need to keep making these, even though it's, it's a tedious thing. And I, I like to do new things all the time. And I'm like, oh, I should really keep making these because people like them and they're, they're, help, they're passing them on to their families, which is, very humbling and supportive. Um, but with my kids, they're, the crafts that we are doing right now are paper products and things that can be reprinted. They can be cut out again. They can be glued together. I'm not going to keep all of these things that my children have colored and cut and glued. And that's why I try to make them digital downloads for people so that they also don't have to keep these one and done crafts. They can do them again year after year until their kids have outgrown them. And so in that way, they, they can be enduring, but also not because I I don't expect you to keep like, for instance, like the epiphany banners for forever, you know, and it's, it's a it's a learning tool and it's something that helps them. That's that's really good that the crafts that you are creating in the moment are reinforcing that which endures. Right. But the actual material that is being used to convey that doesn't itself have to be enduring. Yes, yes. And so we want to have standards. You know, we want to have our children engage in things that, that are beautiful, right? I, I mean, this is part of the reason, you know, when, when we teach our children handwriting for example you know we have them copy and and follow the um the pattern of beautiful handwriting and and this is the case with i think uh with with crafts and the model that you have given us for example in your coloring sheets in so far as you have something beautiful that they can engage in that then becomes a model for them to create other beautiful things. Would that be a way to kind of work with these ideas? Yes, definitely. I mean, my I want my kids to be creative too and create things on their own. And, and they do. They like to draw. They like to make up other things or play with things. And 
one of the things that I made last year, I it was more intended as a, a playing craft. Um, I had drawn uh, for the Reformation, and it had um, like Luther and Katie and, and some other people who were um, important in the Reformation story because I wanted my kids to really engage with that and know the story and learn it because I didn't really know it 100% either. So looking up these people and drawing them was helpful and beneficial for me. And so they had these little paper play things that they could play with as we read um, some books that we have on Martin Luther and the Reformation. And it's actually free. I have it on my website and under like one of my like blog posts or something. You can just download it straight from there if anyone is interested. Um, but the the response for that was, was, was overwhelming. I couldn't believe um, how many people it wound up reaching. And I had people from so many different countries even send me pictures of their kids doing this. And I thought, this is what it's about. This is what Lutheran crafting can be and maybe should be. Like you're, you're using it to teach them these awesome stories and about Jesus. And so that, that was very cool. Yeah, I think that kind of puts the cherry on top of the Sunday in terms of, of helping us understand how crafts might be utilized in the catechetical life. I must admit that I have not uh, done a good job of engaging with crafts uh, in the catechetical life of, of our children uh, just because... I am, that's not something that comes naturally to me. You know, I don't naturally, <laughs> but I, I remain very thankful um, for the dear people in my life who do uh, assist me in doing that. And, uh, and Sam, you are definitely one of, one of those people that uh, has allowed me to bring that element uh, of, of, of teaching the faith uh, into the catechetical life in our home. So for that, I remain uh, deeply indebted and, uh, and grateful. Um, as if your amazing art wasn't enough, uh, you've also impacted uh, the catechetical life of, of our children. So thank you for that. Mrs. Samantha Bender owns and operates Pleasantly Crafted. Sam, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, this has been very fun. Thank you for joining us today for the Wittenberg Hour. Be sure to subscribe to the Wittenberg Hour so as to not miss an episode. If you would like to learn more about Wittenberg Academy, please visit our website at wittenbergacademy.org. You can like and follow Wittenberg Academy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join us again next time on the Wittenberg Hour.